off and the clock has started. Here we go. This is 20 minutes you'll never get back. Here's Doug. Yes, I am here. My name is Doug Prezak, the real Doug Prezak. Don't be fooled by any of those imposters, okay? It's really me. And this is, in fact, uh, episode 107 of 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. And you just heard Joanna, who uh, helped out today. Thank you very much. She's a friend of Graham's, by the way. Um, This is also the last episode for 2022. Pretty soon you all are going to be wrapped up in your holiday stuff. You're going to forget about the show anyway, so (laughs) it's okay. I I probably will, too. (laughs) Uh, I also hope the last episode on Christmas gifts helped you out with some uh, gift ideas. Anybody get that shock tato thing? Uh, I think that'd probably be pretty cool. <laughs> and I want to take a minute here and extend a sincere, and I mean sincere thank you to Tony. You may recognize his name from past uh, podcast episodes. Anyway, thank him for his support of this podcast. Tony went to buymeacoffee.com slash 20 minutes. And he made a very generous donation to the show. Tony, this applause is for you and all you have done for this show. Gracias, amigo. And I also have an Iceland and Bolivia update. Are you ready? (laughs) Yeah, nothing. Okay, let's not waste any more time here. But let me start this episode with an embarrassing revelation. All right. I know nothing about music. I, I know categories of music. I know which uh, categories I like and which I don't like. And yeah, I'm talking to you, country music. But beyond that, not much more. Now, I, I can play two instruments. You'd probably be shocked to hear that. I can play two instruments, the uh, doorbell and a car horn. Beyond that, nothing else. Now, this lack of uh, music knowledge combined with the holiday season has obviously led me to the following question. What is the difference between a Christmas carol and a Christmas song? All right, let me ask my uh, British friend, uh, Graham, do you know uh, the difference? I have always thought they were the same thing, but something tells me you're going to say I'm wrong. No, I actually say I'm going to agree with you, buddy. They, They both have music. They both have words. So is there a difference? Well, the short answer is, eh, sort of. Christmas carols are actually religious in nature, while Christmas songs are secular. But wait, (laughs) enter a third category, the Christmas hymn. Now, according to buildingfaith.org, here's the breakdown. Christmas hymns are a type of song that's usually religious and is specifically written for the purpose of praise, adoration, or prayer, and in the Christian tradition, typically addressed to God. Christmas carols are songs in which a religious topic is treated in a style that's familiar or festive. A Christmas carol has lyrics about Christmas themes or winter season, which are traditionally sung in the period before Christmas. Now, popular Christmas carols include Deck the Halls, Hark the Herald, Angels Sing, Joy to the World, Little Drummer Boy, and Silent Night. Christmas songs, on the other hand, are basically songs that talk about someone's experience with Christmas, around Christmas, or even Christmas-related things. These also include songs about snow, (laughs) you know, always snow. These songs can include any aspect of Christmas, and they are often upbeat and are not considered as hymns or carols. Uh, We're going to get to the popular ones later on in the show. So there. Now, every time you hear a Christmas ditty, you can categorize it into one of three groups, hymn, carol, or song. 
So easy peasy, right? But, oh, and I think you know exactly where this is going to go, what I'm going to say next, just how did this Christmas singing come about? Well, I did my last research for 2022, so you didn't have to. You have more important things to do, like figuring out how to wrap that shiitake mushroom log. (laughs) I don't know, but I think I want one of those. Anyway, so where did the idea of Christmas carols come from, and what was the first carol? Let's go back a, a few years ago, okay? Carols were first sung in Europe thousands of years ago, but these were not Christmas carols. They were pre-Christian pagan songs that were sung around December 22nd at winter solstice celebrations with people dancing around stone circles and singing their little hearts out. Christmas started to be celebrated at the same time as the solstice, so the early Christians started singing Christian songs instead of the Christian pagan ones. Now, according to the New Daily, it's generally accepted that one of the first Christmas carols ever to be uh, jotted down was the 129 AD, that would be 129 AD, Angel's Hymn. A uh, Roman bishop said that Angel's Hymn should be sung at Christmas service in Rome. So there you go. Now, more and more slow, solemn hymns started to emerge in the 4th century, and composers all over Europe started to write Christmas carols. However, Not many people liked them as they were all written and sung in Latin that normal people couldn't understand. By the time of the Middle Ages, most people had lost interest in celebrating Christmas altogether. In 1223 in Grecio, Italy, St. Francis of Assisi said, Nope, we're not going to have any of that. We're going to get Christmas back. And he created his nativity plays in Italy. He was known as the father of Christmas carols. He created a nativity scene in a cave complete with live animals and invited the villagers to gather around the manger while he spoke about baby Jesus. The people in the plays sang songs that told the story during the plays. The carols were in a language that people watching could understand and then join in. Most carols from this time and from the Elizabethan period are untrue stories and very loosely based on the Christmas story and were seen as entertaining rather than religious songs. They were usually sung in homes rather than in churches. Traveling minstrels started singing these carols and the words were changed for the local people wherever they were traveling. The tradition of Christmas carols continued in the UK for another 225 years and only stopped when a new regime came to power. The radical Puritan and political figure Oliver Cromwell of the Commonwealth of England, Scotland, and Ireland outlawed public singing of carols in 1644. In fact, he banned the celebration of Christmas altogether. That's the spirit. (laughs) However, as most people would take the singing underground and perform in secret, Christmas carol traditions managed to survive this period in history. In 1660, the restoration of the British monarchy abolished all legislation between 1642 and 1660. At that time, everyone came out from hiding to celebrate Christmas once again with feasts, festivities, and, of course, singing. Before carol singing in places like churches became popular, there were official carol singers called waits. They were called waits because they sang on Christmas Eve which was sometimes known as watch night or wait night. 
It's called that because of the shepherds who were watching their sheep when the angels appeared to them when Christmas celebrations began. Now let's get back to the waits. They got together in public spaces and would perform for passers-by who traditionally thanked them with wassail and mince pies. It became known as, you got it, wassailing. While the waits were doing their thing, a lot of orchestras and choirs were being set up in the cities and people wanted Christmas songs to sing, so carols once again became popular in churches and concert halls. Carol services were created and became popular, as did the custom of singing carols in the streets. One of the most popular types of carol services are the carols by candlelight services. At this service, the church is only lit by candlelight, and now candlelight services are held in countries all over the world. Just how many times can I say services in one paragraph? (laughs) So there you go. There's your uh, brief history of caroling and how it all started, came to be, and how we ended up with a screaming Mariah Carey. Oh, Lord. (laughs) We've reached the midway point in the show, and it's time for a break. When we come back, Doug will tell us about the story behind some Christmas carols or songs, and then he'll have the top Christmas songs or carols. And lastly, what are the least popular Christmas songs of all time? Doug has the list. We'll be back right after this. Get ready for something spectacular. You cannot miss this Christmas. It's a special invitation. Exciting and enchanting. Rockets are all a-dancing. Never was there ever such a Christmas show. It's the Radio City Christmas Spectacular. Fill your heart with Christmas. Bring everyone you love. The memories will last forever. To the Radio City. For tickets, visit RadioCityChristmas.com or call Ticketmaster today. I've actually uh, been to Radio City Music Hall and seen the uh, Rockettes Christmas show. Eh. (laughs) In an earlier 20 Minutes episode uh, a couple years ago, I actually told you about how Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer song came to be. But let's dig a little bit further into it, if you don't mind. It started out as a marketing move to get people back in the uh, Christmas spirit. With the uh, Great Depression starting to fade and the World War II on the horizon, the Montgomery Ward Department Store took it upon themselves to get children and families into the holiday spirit by creating a free book for kids. Now, Robert May, he was advertising uh, exec for Montgomery Ward. He came up with the idea of a reindeer as his main character. The book was a huge success for Montgomery Ward, but they signed over the copyright to uh, Robert in 1947. Two years later, May's uh, brother-in-law, Johnny Marks, who was a songwriter, he put Rudolph's story to music. Bing Crosby was actually given the uh, first shot at singing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. But the song You Know and Love was sung by Gene Autry. He stepped up and recorded the song after Crosby had turned it down. And oh, yeah, two million copies were sold and the song continues to be one of the best selling of all time. So what about a few other Christmas songs. Well, here are a few of the uh, backstories, and I'm going to be honest with you. Some of them are (laughs) kind of dark. (laughs) The song we know as Jingle Bells actually began life as the One Horse Open Sleigh. Songwriter James Lord Pierpoint didn't plan on it as being a holiday tune. 
He wrote it actually on Thanksgiving in 1850 for the children in his father's Sunday school class. But the song proved to be so popular, they sang it again at Christmas, and, well, the rest is history. In 1950, Walter Rollins and Steve Nelson, they wrote the song Frosty the Snowman for Gene Autry. You remember Gene, he's the guy that had that uh, big hit with Rudolph. However, Frosty was more of a wintertime song than a holiday tune. In fact, it wasn't until 1969 that Christmas was incorporated into the song's lyrics for a TV special. The original lyrics were, quote, But he waved goodbye, saying, Don't cry, I'll be back again someday. The uh, slow death of a loved character was kind of a bit much for a Christmas cartoon, so the words were changed to, But he waved goodbye, saying, Don't you cry, I'll be back on Christmas Day. You know, just to uh, lighten it up a little bit. (laughs) Everyone's heard the song Sleigh Ride by Leroy Anderson. The song was named the most popular piece of Christmas music in the United States every year between 2009 and 2012. You know, that's kind of impressive considering Christmas isn't even mentioned in the lyrics. There's even a shout out to a birthday party at Farmer Gray's house in the song. According to the Leroy Anderson Foundation, he didn't set out to write a Christmas piece when he wrote Sleigh Ride. His intentions were to convey the entire winter season through the imagery of a sleigh ride. The inspiration for the song actually didn't even occur during the winter. It was during a July heat wave and drought while Leroy was working out in the yard of his summer house in Connecticut that the idea came to him. And now for the dark portion of our program. The uh, upbeat words of Winter Wonderland contain a sad backstory. Richard Smith wrote the lyrics while being treated for tuberculosis at a West Mountain sanitarium. It's been said the nostalgic song was inspired by his memories of playing in the snow, which he saw the children doing outside the window of his room in the sanitarium. (laughs) The song I'll Be Home for Christmas almost never got recorded. It was written in 1943 by Kimball Gannon about a soldier writing to his family. No music publishers wanted to touch it, thinking it would have brought people down during the holiday. You think? It still does. Well, it turns out that Gannon was a golfing buddy of Bing Crosby. Crosby agreed to record it, and it appeared on the B-side of the highest-selling single of all time, White Christmas. Uh, Just as a side note here, I'm sad for all the young'uns out there who will never know what the B-side means. (laughs) Santa Claus is Coming to Town was written by James Gillespie and first performed on Eddie Cantor's radio show in 1934. The inspiration for the song came from Gillespie's grief for his brother. Shortly after learning of his brother's death, Gillespie got a call from Cantor asking him to write a Christmas song for the show. Now, at first, Gillespie rejected the job, feeling overwhelmed with grief and knowing he would not be able to write a cheerful music tune for Christmas. However, he changed his mind after recalling a childhood memory of his brother and mother, warning him that Santa was watching. Feeling inspired, he wrote the lyrics in about 15 minutes and got John Coots to compose the music. Within 24 hours of its debut, the song was already a big hit. Well, with all of that (laughs) happy and uplifting information, 
What do you say we close out with a couple of lists? The top Christmas songs and the least, or in some cases, the worst Christmas songs. What would the show really be without a list or two? (laughs) Okay, first, my criteria. To compile my list, I consulted with lists from every source I could. Uh, Slate, Ranker, Good Housekeeping, Reader's Digest, Ringer, Rolling Stone, and at least 15 other sources. I took their top and their worst picks, tallied up the rankings, averaged them out, and ended up with this list. Here's the best part. You are not going to agree with it. Guaranteed. In fact, the list contradicts themselves. A couple of songs are on both lists. Go, Go figure. All this means is you just listen to the music you want. My rule is if the song title includes the words rock, rockin', baby, or the artist is Mariah Carey or Elvis, it doesn't get played. (laughs) See, I've already pissed off a couple of you. So here we go with the top songs. Feel free to sing these out loud as I read them. The list of uh, top songs here could be performed by various artists, not just one individual. So uh, it's it's the song that people like. Number 10 is Carol of the Bells. <laughs> I know somebody who hates that song. They call it the Halloween song because it's so scary. <laughs> anyway, Carol of the Bells is number 10. Number 9, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Number 8, It's Beginning to Look a Lot Like Christmas. Number 7, Oh, God. All I want for Christmas is you. (laughs) Number six, Winter Wonderland. Number five, White Christmas. Number four, Silent Night. We know that's a a hymn. (laughs) Number three, I actually thought this would be number one, but it's not. Number three is Jingle Bells. Number two is We Wish You a Merry Christmas. And the number one song that everybody in the world loves is... Deck the Halls. All right, now it's time for the least favorite or the worst or the most hated, however you want to call them, Christmas songs of all time, as decided by assorted people, not me, okay? And I'm going to include a couple of the comments that were in the justification for classifying them as the most hated or worst or least. All right, number 11, and I've never heard this song. Please, Daddy, don't get drunk this Christmas. (laughs) by John Denver. I've never heard it. Have you? Uh, One of the comments was, nothing says holiday cheer like a child pleading with his emotionally abusive alcoholic father not to get shirt-faced, they didn't say shirt, and pass out under the tree again. (laughs) Happy song. Number 10, Mistletoe by Justin Bieber. Jingle bells, a jaunty island vibe, and Bieber pledging to be under the mistletoe with his shorty. (laughs) Whatever the hell that means. Number nine, I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus by the Jackson Five. It's uh, The comment was, it's a sweet Christmas dream and a horrific lifetime of trauma intersecting in one innocence obliterating double whammy. <laughs> okay, number eight, Christmas Tree by Lady Gaga. The comment was, this is the musical equivalent of a last-minute present purchased at a sketchy 7-Eleven. It's a song that sounds dashed off in five minutes during a drunken Christmas party at the studio. (laughs) Are you agreeing with any of these yet? (laughs) All right, here's number seven. Uh, I know someone will probably disagree with this. Wonderful Christmas Time by Paul McCartney. The uh, comment was, 
a song whose awesome black hole of musicality is almost powerful enough to suck the life out of everything Paul McCartney did before. (laughs) Number six, Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer by Elmo and Patsy. (laughs) Sadly, I saw them perform this live. Uh, it was it was at a uh, one of those festivals. I didn't pay tickets to go see it. <laughs> the comment was, "Nothing says Christmas like Grand Matricide." <laughs> Number five, "Do They Know It's Christmas?" by Band Aid. The comment was, "Sure, it raised millions of dollars, but even the song's writer Bob Geldof calls it one of the two worst songs in history." <laughs> Number four, "Baby, It's Cold Outside." sung by anyone. The comment was about the song, it's an awful song with a very cheap, creepy guy trying to take advantage of a girl when she just wants to go home. (laughs) Number three, Santa Baby by anyone, but uh, Michael Bublé's version in particular, that's because he changed the lyrics to make sure everybody knows he's not attracted to Santa. (laughs) Leading to an unbelievably awkward phrase like Santa Buddy, Santa Pally in the truly awful, I'll wait up for you, dude. (laughs) Others called it the Santa's hooker song. (laughs) Oh, we're getting so close to the end. Number two. Yes, finally. All I want for Christmas is you by Mariah Carey. No. One reviewer said she sounds like she's strangling a chipmunk. (laughs) But the primary reason everyone is so annoyed is because it's so overplayed. In fact, a bar in Dallas has taken a stance against the classic Christmas song for the past three years. A notice taped to the bar's jukebox reads, after December 1, the song is only allowed one time a night. (laughs) And a bar in Sydney took it even further, saying, if you're a fan of Carrie's warbling classic, then we regret to inform you that the bar will be a Mariah-free zone. (laughs) I'm heading to Australia. And the number one most hated song, and again, I'm going to admit, I have never heard of the song or what it sounds like, but I assure you, I will not be searching for it on Spotify, is The Christmas Shoes by New Song. Have you heard of it? The Christmas Shoes by New Song. Uh, The comment was this. For two decades now, New Song's contribution to Christmas music has ruined the holiday season for millions of people around the world. In the song, the narrator meets a little boy who's, quote, dirty from head to toe and asks him to buy a pair of shoes for his dying mother so she looks beautiful in case she meets Jesus tonight. USA says, no, just no. And Slant Magazine had a little bit more to say. They said, quote, half-step key changes in a children's choir are added insurance in case you haven't felt cheaply manipulated enough Putting the Christmas shoes at number one on this list doesn't do it justice how horrendous it is. It's not just the worst Christmas song ever. It's one of the worst songs ever recorded. (laughs) Ouch. (laughs) Did any of those make your hated list? (laughs) One of mine did. And with that, this episode and 2022 is going to come to an end. But first, what have we learned? We learned that after dozens of tabulated surveys, Deck the Halls is everybody's favorite. And if you don't like it, Well, you just better get on board. As a matter of fact, I'm going to play out the episode like this. We learned that St. Francis of Assisi is the uh, father of Christmas carols. We learned that Oliver Cromwell was the uh, original Scrooge. 
we learned that some Christmas songs start off pretty dark. <laughs> Sorry about that. And we learned that now you have a new game to play as the families gather around and you're listening to Christmas music. You can play hymn, carol, or song. <laughs> you're welcome. That will do it for this episode. That will do it for 2022. As always, I do appreciate you tuning in. And from me to all of you in all 57, 58 countries, I'd like to say, however you spend the holidays, I hope you have a joyous one. I will talk to you again in 2023 on 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. Bye-bye. Hi, it's me again, Doug. I want to take up a couple more seconds of your time just to remind you, if you want to stay informed of when uh, the next podcast is posted, all you need to do is sign up at uh, on that Instagram machine. It's at uh, 20MYNGB, 20MYNGB, and that means 20 minutes you'll never get back. Uh, if you sign up there, you'll uh, always see when the next podcast is uploaded. And if you want to leave some comments, by all means, please do go to the uh, website at 20minutespodcast.com. So it's 20minutespodcast.com. And uh, you can uh, leave your comments there. It also tells you how you can be an announcer for the show. So take take a look at those two things if you like and stay informed. And I'll, as always, thank you very much for listening to uh, 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. Bye-bye. <laughs>